Listeners, we're back for another episode of the Midnight Boys Present Free Podcast. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. We got, we're talking about nukes, prestige TV. So we're going to talk about the day after, which if you're under a certain age, you probably haven't heard of it. And if you're over a certain or, age. Or you, know you think we're well. talking about a Dennis Quaid movie from the <laughs> early 2000s. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, this made-for-TV movie, of course, as part of our season, its impact, its legacy, how many people watched it, the ratings are crazy, and uh, yeah, just sort of like this is prestige TV in the 80s, so we're going to discuss that. So, uh, you know, tune in and, uh, you know, the nukes don't fall while we're recording it or before we release it. Don't look directly at your uh, podcast machine, whatever that may be. You might yes. go blind. I am become podcaster. (laughs) Listeners, I'm your co-host Rob, and joined, as always, by my rad friends, Joe and (laughs) Duff. Did you guys turn your Geiger counters on for this one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm no, up. but uh, you know, I did uh, enjoy a little carton of milk outside before before we mm. did this. Who drinks the, the whole drinking milk thing? We we've gone over this, before. yeah. But that, but again, like this came up like Jason Robards is just having a nice little slug of milk out outdoors before in the hot Kansas sun. How did we? How how did we as a society finally conquer big milk? Because. <laughs> Like big milk, uh, which I I can't help but be sympathetic to because so much of our state's economy depends upon it. It's only the top two percent drinking now. <laughs> God. Well, I mean, until everyone found out that the dairy farmer farmers were skimming off the top, uh, <laughs> like it was a pretty seen as a pretty wholesome industry. Uh, Ooh, you got a, a hole in there. It's well a twofer. Twofer. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh boy! All yeah, right. but but for real, like when we were in middle school or high school, whatever they that was like the tail end of the got milk craze, yeah. right? Yeah. And then like, did how did we defeat them? Breast is uh, best. <laughs> so when when we sent when we set up the airport milking chambers, that's when got milk died. We decided breast is best, and then it killed got milk. Yeah, but like, wait, what does that have to do with what you give your ten-year-old? Well, breast is best until breast they're until they're prepubescent. <laughs> We're breastfeeding until double digits now. Until until the stubble on their face starts to hurt. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God. <laughs> okay, we're gonna. Well, you wouldn't know that, but we're talking about the movie "The Day After." This is a 1983 television film. Now. Uh, we're going to have opinions on it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do all the thing. I do want to say one thing. I was in a meeting uh, at work, and I have a couple colleagues who are older, probably like, you know, 15 plus years older. And at the end of the meeting, I was like, so yesterday I watched The Day After. And they were like, oh, yo, yeah. Like, they were, bo- they were both like, oh, I remember watching that. And, like, one guy was like, that scared the hell out of me when I was younger and watched it. So it's just fascinating, like – you know, to, to the people who watched this when this aired on TV, like, unforgettable experience watching the day after. If you, in 1983, if you stopped someone on the street, 50-50 chance they watched this. More, More than that. Wasn't it a 62% share? 
Uh, right? Yeah, I think it was like 106 million people were estimated to have watched it, and there was something like 230 million people in America at that time. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, we've kind of talked about the the idea of how monoculture doesn't exist anymore but like right. even for the time like just just to have that many people eyeballs on the same thing at the same time is amazing yeah is it is i mean now absolutely unheard of um so let's God, let's try to do a plot recap of this movie. I'm going to keep it very short because I don't think it actually matters. Ultimately, we watch a bunch of people uh, living their lives in uh, the Kansas Just area. Just good, good, wholesome Kansas City folk. Some, you know, Midwesterns. Yeah. Uh, just living their lives. God, we have we have a montage of just the most American of activities. There's like a bottling plant and just a university and oh, so wholesome. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, we've got we've got all that. We're watching all that, and then of course, nuclear war starts, and uh, mm. it's unclear in the movie. Nor does it really matter, in my opinion, who launches. But essentially, uh, both Russia or USSR and the U.S. launch their nuclear warheads. Yeah, um, and uh, they hit near Kansas City because that's where Kansas City area has got a bunch of nuclear war because as well. I, I mean everywhere in america has an air force base or silos i mean there's nuclear silos all over we just don't know about them right and then so then we so that's kind of like part two of the movie is all of a sudden just <laughs> everything being eradicated uh that that is pretty like i even say now like just it, you know just classrooms being filled with like skeletons and stuff yeah, it's pretty bleak not great whatever doesn't seem like it'd be good sure whatever (laughs) (laughs) and then the third part of the movie which um is probably the longest part is just dealing with misery (laughs) paul yeah just just dealing with all these people's hair and faces falling off (laughs) right yeah Yeah. just everyone just the radiation their hair and their faces are falling off they can't see there's just rubble everywhere there's squatters everywhere uh it's not great not a happy ending to this movie i mean not that i doubt it would happen but it's been like a week and already there's like mad max cannibal families out in the countryside (laughs) yeah it's not clear how much time passes between well, it's really at one point they say five day. I don't think it's any more than a month. It's the day after, so it's only well, one yeah. day. According I mean, it's, to the title, it's you know we're talking maybe days, weeks. Uh, so yeah, things things deteriorate rapidly, as I'm sure they would. Uh, like oh. I'm not, I'm not saying that's unrealistic. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean there is. I mean there are parts like you know early on you've got. Um, before the bombs fall, you have everyone going to the grocery stores and buying everything, and you're like, oh, we kind of lived through that a little bit. That was a thing that we got to experience a tad during uh, early pandemic. Well, like, a- anyone who lives in, like, a hurricane zone, like, understands right. that. That's true. Yeah. Um, and so we got quite a cast of characters. We've got 
Jason Roberts, Roberts, Roberts. I've Robards. always said Robards. Robards. Um, we got a young Steve Gutenberg, the, the Goot. Goot, the Goot. We got John Lithgow looking like John Lithgow always looks. So there's no young John. <laughs> yeah, John, John Lithgow, Lithgow came out of the womb, uh, yeah. just doing bits immediately, yeah. probably. <laughs> like, he, like he based his third rock from the sun character after his five year old self, probably. <laughs> Uh, we have a few. I just want to. There's a bunch of other people, but I want to talk about a couple that you see just for a few seconds that amuse me. Uh, Arliss. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> um, hey. Uh, <laughs> hey. Uh, you watch the Arliss? And uh, <laughs> ah, little Dave. And uh, we see Newman. We see Wayne Knight for a little bit. Yeah, he's oh, a. I, I missed him. He's a rad victim. Yeah. I don't think he has any lines. I think he's just on a stretcher or something. <laughs> But like, uh, what, yeah, it would I don't be know. so cool if this movie in the last third just turned into a Fallout game. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah, that needed I mean, the robots walking around and the Brotherhood, the mechs. Yeah, too bad. A dog. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I guess I don't know Duff, if there's anything plot wise like specific you want us to talk about, but I mean it's just sort of. It's pretty dire. It's uh, you know, two hours of like, hey, it's America. Oh no, the bombs dropped. Oh, this it's, is it's it's legit. Winter. Just two hours of like, man, wouldn't this suck? <laughs> <laughs> and then so, like the point. And then the last thirty seconds would be like, uh, is just like, we have to make sure this doesn't happen. Yeah, There's we have to text. make sure uh, no one fires nuclear weapons again, which we did forty years before this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're the only ones who ever did it to anyone. But. One thing I do think is wild is so much of so much of this and these concepts are you know known to us. But this was one thing I read is this is one of the first times where the idea of nuclear winter was communicated to like the population at large. I think that was discussed afterwards, right? Wasn't there like a after the broadcast so immediately after this broadcast they had on a panel and it was the classic like both sides because it was like you'd like carl sagan and Ely wiesel and then you had like henry kissinger and william buckley yeah just did the book on the beach come out after this or no that was before this no what came out after this was the pill joe (laughs) thank you because i i remember i watched on the beach in in school and didn't that kind of cover this or? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it did. So but like, like, maybe this is the first like uh, television or film to cover it. But I know like I, I feel like the book kind of did. If I had spent, you know, I haven't read it. And I saw the movie years, maybe. not too long ago. And I know that talks about like radiation poisoning. And I think that's what they're all waiting for. Uh uh, on the beach is a movie about basically a submarine that's like the last it's like the last survivors because they were on the sub but they're just basically waiting for radiation to kill them yeah. but i think like i think that this movie is maybe the first mass media depiction of oh it's just going to be dark for a couple decades because of all the ash in the air yeah right yeah and also like i think back to the monoculture thing is like you know this this was aired on national television on abc yeah yeah that's different than than a dang nerdy book yes for sure yeah this Um, was this was the the 
like the most frivolous of networks. It was like the Happy Days Network. Like, yeah. So how does that happen? What is the story behind that? I'm actually curious. I'm also, if you have time, like curious about the evolution of networks and their like reputations for kinds of content. Like, it's something I used to kind of feel like I knew a little bit about, and my brain has deleted that part to make room for. I don't know something stupid. I'm sure. I know uh, that so, so ABC was kind of like the frivolous, like dumb network back in the '80s. I guess it hasn't really changed that much. Probably. Yeah. So to my, I feel like a very simplified version is that you know CBS and NBC were, especially like CBS was known as the Tiffany Network, which I don't really, I don't, I forget like where the. the the jewel the, the yeah jewel like place? it was like okay. the the classy network okay um and then yeah abc was like the young upstart and it was like it was much more frivolous stuff but i know that abc they're big the things that really kind of brought them into being one of the big three were like monday night football like yeah. that was one of the really big things that brought them into the so you get all your rowdy friends together yeah. yep Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> they, they just had a rotating cast of drunk uh, play-by-play guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but why, Duff, do you know why The Day After is an ABC film? Like, how do you... Do I you... mean, the, we could... There's kind of, like, a long story of just, like, there are these two guys who uh, really pushed for it at the network, and they kept wanting it. And I think part of it was just at the time... You know, it was just one of those circumstances where they got the right person believed in it. Made for TV movies were, I'd say this was kind of like the peak of their their influence. And so they were like, well, it could be something that could make us a lot of money. But if you read about it, there's like, there was a lot of controversy about making this. And they did all this, like they would pull random people and be like, what do you think about the possibility of this for a movie? And it was just kind of it was a gamble and they get you know at one point this was going to be two nights and it was going to be four hours and then it got trimmed down four hours and so like it was kind of controversial in that regards in that yeah, i reg- mean i guess that's that's what i was thinking about is like not only it's you know it's a pretty controversial subject but also it's abc also like it seems like from what i can gather is like this was an event, right? Like they didn't have ads, I think, for some of it. Like for the last half, they didn't have any ads after the attack. So it wasn't like this could have been a like this wasn't a surprise hit, right? They must have known. They must have put a bunch of like, uh, you know, the machine behind this to be like, we're gonna make this an event. Yeah, and part of it is, it really shows you like how nowadays like stuff is just hyped so much ahead of time um is that this was air like i feel like basically whatever the normal hype machine runtime is now like that was just an insane thing back then because they're like they started running ads like months in advance and they distributed viewer guides and things like that and like when you hear about it you're like oh it's what every show does but it's just back then like there were so many movies of the week that it was just kind of like you wouldn't really hype any of them beyond you know a week or two 
before they came out. Gotcha. Um, so this comes out in just a um, massive hit. I mean, massive. Like, we've already discussed this a little bit, but, like, Super Bowl level. Yeah. Like, this is a Super Bowl. Um, People came over. <laughs> they made, I mean, part of it is just... snacks. So part of it is, and uh, I think we talked a lot about this on our War Games episode. I was so, going to say, a lot of this stuff does, is similar to so, stuff we talked about in War Games. So I won't yeah. go too far into it, but uh, this was very relevant to people's lives because there were uh, at least two times that year that there were some pretty close calls uh, in terms of nuclear weapons. That's right. Um, The biggest one is is the uh, Stanislav Petrov, who, a.k.a. the man who saved the world. All right, you remember they ignored the... Like he he had he, he you know, something happened and his you know his spidey sense went off. He's like, no, this doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem like an actual attack. And it, it's pretty certain that if not for that dude, uh, the Soviets probably would have launched at least one nuke, and that would have turned into like five thousand back and forth nukes. Uh, and that was in September of that year. And there was also like a NATO war games thing during that year that kind of caught. And plus, it was just the era of Reagan, and this was pre Gorbachev when the when the uh, the Kremlin was just they were routinely having dudes who were near death, and they were just all kind of the same person. But like they just kept putting in these old dudes who were just kind of like totally isolated from. I mean, they're kind of like Putin if Putin were like fifty years older. And just... It is in, it is interesting for me to think about. Like, I don't mean to interrupt, but I no, did. That, that's, um, that's about. I mean, you know, I was, this it was extremely relevant <laughs> to people's personal lives, maybe. Yeah. Right, and I kind of think about this with my parents. Right, um, I was born in September of '83. This came out in November of '83, and part of me wonders, like, oh, they have this kid. <laughs> they have like a like a two month old, you know, and they're like, wow. Oh, I guess we'll tune into the day after. That's supposed to be a big deal. I've I've heard about this. <laughs> and then like, yeah. yeah, how do you get the TV guide? What's on tonight? Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a parent being like, "Oh boy." Well, I think that a lot sucks. of people thought that there was going to be a happy ending, or there was, you know, because yeah, this is incredibly bleak now, and. But especially for the time, it was, you know, this is the era where TV movies or whatever shown is usually going to have a conclusion or a somewhat happy ending. Right. Yeah, I and- respect this movie for just being like, no, there's no happy endings to this <laughs> just, kind of thing. Yeah, like, just guys crying at the I end. I mean, honestly, yeah. the happy ending is like 75 years later when everyone is dead and like flowers start to grow again and deer are frolicking around. But I will say, uh, you know, I think of, like, my parents with a two-month-old watches. I don't know if they watched this, but I'm guessing they did. 50% chance they did. Uh, And, like, I, you know, it's just fascinating to think that, like, at least for me, and I'm guessing for you guys, too, like, by the time we were, like, kids that knew what was going on, this whole fear was kind of already in the past, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, yeah, which was, is, which was, is incredible. I, I actually have a vivid memory of a teacher getting really mad. I'm tr- I don't know exactly which grade I was in, but I I know I was in in California. So 
somewhere between like 90 uh, and 95. And okay. our teacher was talking about, I don't, I don't remember what she was talking about, but it, was, it must have been something related to the Cold War. And she was talking about the conflict between the Soviet Union and the United States. And, and like, I think, like, the class kind of, like, laughed about something. Yeah. And I, I think when, when you're, like, at that age and your teacher gets really upset, it, it, it's, like, kind of impactful. Mm-hmm. And she she got so mad, so mad. And then she and I, I still remember that she told the story of Khrushchev, which I think is apocryphal. I, I don't remember exact. I, I think he's been misquoted a little bit, but whatever. Uh, where where he just kind of had or the, that legend of how he like slammed his shoe on a table and screamed, "We will bury you!" at a UN meeting. Yeah, Have you guys heard that story. I if, if I recall <laughs> no. correctly, that's like exaggerated, right, Duff? I've I've heard the shoe thing might not have happened, but I do know it was a very tense confrontation. Yes. Yeah, so like even if it's exaggerated a little bit, it certainly was a tense confrontation. And she like screamed, not screamed, but she said this in front of the whole class, like visibly like emotional. And I remember this as being like, oh, like clear like evidence of a person that's been like psychologically damaged by the Cold War. And I'm not saying like not justifiably so. Right, but like she had clearly like lived through like the real capital R fear, capital F, and and I I haven't forgotten that I'm, I'm getting that would be thirty years ago probably. And well, I guys, been, I don't know. Uh, 10. Luckily, uh, we missed out on that as kids, but we get to have it as adults. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I do think it's fascinating to think both, you know, Joe and I as our kids like being pandemic children different ages still but like that's going to be the defining event for their i mean well i don't know we'll see i no, hope I so well for my kid but um, um but but at least but, well, from well, like well how uh, it affected like, the childhood i mean it, i guess it's it's reasonable to think that like climate change related catastrophes become probably a thing that they have to adjust to um true uh, maybe not quite so much where we live, but well, there will still be more extreme, you know, temperature related. Well, I was refer yeah. I was referring to, you know, the nuclear threat is still oh ve- yeah very much real. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that a lot while I was watching this. Like, um, there are still like they've decommissioned or torn down a lot, but there's literally still thousands of nuclear weapons all over the world just and many of them are still i mean the, we know that some of them are still ready to launch so i can only yeah. imagine there's a lot more we don't know about yeah but i've seen enough mission impossible movies someone will always stop them most likely <laughs> we couldn't even we couldn't even stop a bunch of morons from crashing a plane into a tower well, <laughs> that was before that was before it wasn't before Mission Impossible. No, it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and there been like two. We had, by there'd then? been but two. The second Mission one Impo- wasn't very good. So that's on. That's did nine eleven save Mission Impossible from becoming too goofy? That or you know did John Woo make a mistake? And if someone if there was a better Mission Impossible mm. two went to in that. this in this house we defend John Woo. I will <laughs> I not mean, accept that kind of slander. Listen, Mission Impossible two is not very good though. Well, I don't. It's someone else's fault. <laughs> let's blame. Let's blame it on the studio. 
could blame Tom, it on Robert Town, who I think wrote the script. Tom Cruise should have cut his hair. Ah, I like his hair in that movie. It's mm, nice. How much of it's no. real? Eh, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, okay, so <laughs> where, where, where are we going here? All right. This is – Duff, would you consider this um, – you said they talked about being two nights versus one. Yeah. Right? And I, I did find that interesting because, like, the thing it reminded me of a little bit um, watching it, at least, like, knowing the impact it had was uh, Roots. Because that was yeah. on TV, right? And that was, like – Late six, 70s. Yeah. Yep. And that was watched by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Over, like, um, 800 nights. Um, and that was – it's eight episodes. Um, and episode being a two-hour movie, right? I don't remember. I, Roots is long, as I recall. Oh, yeah. yeah part one is two hours and two hours and one hour, one hour, one hour, two hours, one hour, and two hours. So you're right. And there's, there's I, nine, eight I parts. just remember they showed us some of that in middle school. I watched some of it in middle school. And, yeah. like, it felt like forever. And they're like, well, that's just half of it. But we, we can only take up a week. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen Roots to the end. Uh, I have I seen it seen up it. until when Kunta Kinte has a kid of his own. But okay. I know there's a lot after that. Okay. Anyways, though, that was my point. Is I was like a that was a an event, a social issue event on television, mm-hmm. and they decided to do it as a miniseries. So it is interesting to me that six years later, with the day after, they decided to go. Uh, as a movie, because I know I don't, I agree with Joe that this movie is quite boring at times. But there was part of me it's like, man, this would have been better. It's like three forty-minute episodes. Uh, this movie is, I mean, it it doesn't even feel like a movie. It feels just like a weird hodgepodge of TV shows from the time. It's it I sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's I just be real. I think it's a terrible, terrible movie. I mean, I will give it like. The thing is, like, when you look at it in a vacuum, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I don't, that doesn't mean it's not interesting to talk about and it's not interesting as, like, a historical, like, cultural artifact. But just, like, as a, just pure, like, looking at this as a movie, holy cow. Everyone talks as if they're, you know, they're just a pamphlet about nuclear war. <laughs> yes. No one really acts in a realistic way. Uh, yeah, I do kind of like the nutso bomb dropping sequence just because it seems I did like too. just because yeah, it's that, like that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's it tries its best, but and it's funny because it was a budget of seven million dollars, which was at the time a huge amount. Wow, for a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's kind of like all the scenes are like reenactment scenes from um, um like america's most wanted i would say <laughs> that's like the quality of the performances <laughs> and direction and yeah it's and there's a lot of really bad acting in it for um, a lot of people who are pretty good actors it is uh not good well there's a lot of talent involved i guess like jason robards i don't know who's a good actor other than jason robards john lithgow yeah, and and he, him, and Robards are fine. Yeah, I mean Robards doesn't look like he's trying very hard, but I d- certainly do not blame him. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, Lithgow is doing his his very very best. Um, the other thing that's weird is that uh, they got a 
somewhat big name director they got uh nicholas meyer who had just done star trek 2 so it's not like it was just some second stringer yeah um but yeah it's it feels very of the time i i give it a lot of credit for being probably the bleakest thing to be shown on tv yeah i i do too definitely um, yeah i mean is it the bleakest thing to ever be shown on tv i mean yes right what would what would what would you know um i mean certainly network tv be bleaker outside of like 20 some years of chicago bears quarterback damn it oh! that's what i was gonna make a joke about that <laughs> i was going to me you can't do that <laughs> i'm sorry joe that was disrespectful no it's that's not the problem it's just that's my place to do i know that's that was that's what i'm saying i should have let you do that that's your that's your tragedy to bear <laughs> Not mine. You better pack it in. Um, yeah. So, there's but just, this is there's just a lot of characters in this movie that I I want to ask like what what are you doing here with this with this? There's guy? too many. There's too many. I don't need all this. Oh, yeah, it really actually kind of would function better as just centering in just one family. Just do the farm the farm family or something with the the horny teenage daughter who's going to get married so that the guy can have sex. <laughs> oh, that's that's a great moment when she's she runs around, trips over dead cows. Yeah. Um and then she like imagines her like uh fiance is in the in the basement but he's not and she kisses the goot Gutenberg and then the dad just sort of like like turns shines a flash out on their faces the whole family is like just sitting there hanging out in this room watching what's just happening in their, their smelly bunker or basement <laughs> or whatever it is yeah I, I love the idea of like looking at what had just happened and still being think thinking like well yeah but there's still definitely a god <laughs> like how, how would how would seeing like nuclear winter not make you be like uh, no, I think we might have been wrong about there being someone upstairs. Yeah, how long could you? How long? Long. We all have basements. How long could you stay in your basement well, until you'd be like, "All right, I'm going outside. Whatever." Into the into the rads. <laughs> yeah, the radiation is going to get would me. But like the rads wouldn't go down into your basement. That's my point. You don't know. At that point, I at some uh, point I'd be like, "This is miserable. I'm going to go outside." Yeah, but well, it's not any better outside. Yeah, at least her son. No, there's not. There's no, there's not. There's going to be nuclear winter. There's going to be the ghouls from Fallout. And... <laughs> uh, yeah, there's going to be giant rats running around. Yeah. There's there's grass, Maybe. dead grass, dead grass. There's, there's going to be skeletons everywhere. Like, there's wind. Full of. Don't radiation. you think curiosity would get it, you? It, it, wouldn't you be like, I'm going outside? I mean, I. I would just be like, whatever, I'm going to die. Like, I'm right? Just, yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably go look around. Yeah, I might as well see what's out there. Get rush things along I mean, a little look, more. The the podcast life has prepared us a little better than most people for this for this calamity. But yeah. Oh yeah, we could really pa- we could well, probably. Well, the, well, get the way issue ahead is not just seasons. that you're stuck in your basement. It's you're stuck in your basement with no electricity. Oh yeah, we can't. And podcast. your entire family. Yeah. And so, your entire family. So it's like what. Play, I could I could play a lot of cribbage, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't have a bathroom, and they were down there for at least a couple of days, right? 
Are we sure they didn't have a bathroom? I, Maybe they had. What do looked, they call those toilets looked, that don't have walls or anything? A Pittsburgh toilet. A Pittsburgh toilet. Yeah, Maybe they, that's they what had walls. Yeah. Well, but they, like, wouldn't the running water go away without the municipality like maintaining it? Well, they they're on a farm, so they for sure had a well. Like that was. Oh all yeah, it would all be well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on where. It there might be some water left in the pipes because it seems like. It's not run by electricity, but I'm sure there's electric pumps somewhere. Well, on a farm, you'd be fine. Well, do you? You'd be fine. Do you, How would the water get pumped out of the well? Well, listen, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like like my 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 parents' house is on well water, and it's an electric pump that's well, bringing these, it up. These people are not true preppers. Like they didn't have their, you know, they didn't get those bags of food that alex jones advertises i, I mean yeah it's uh i mean i don't know i guess i won't say enough for it to be a big spoiler but in the as of this recording this week's last of us like they don't have um a, a wonderful gay man that has everything <laughs> prepared for them yeah hmm. they don't they don't have ron swanson <laughs> making five star he, meals if he's if he's around i'll stay in the basement as long as it takes because i know he'll be gentle and I know he'll take care of me. Hmm. Hmm. There's no radiation in Last of Us, though. No, you, you you're protected by it with his beautiful beard. Mm, true. <laughs> and his gentle soul. Um. Well, guys, can we? So I'm just thinking. I'm there are like several bits, uh, goofier bits from this movie that okay. I'm just that I've, I'm just going through my notes. Uh. I mean, I, to be while you're looking, I I would have centered it around the hospital. I think that's the most interesting thing, and you kind of see the impact and like the, the hospital is like the most stressful because yes, it, like it you're just, right. It just shows how like immediately without power, just like well, we can't do anything. It's almost like our healthcare system isn't equipped to handle true disasters. Well, to be fair, Joe. <laughs> well, I just I, was more I, of a to be fair. Point. You're right. You are correct, but I don't think it's on. It's not the fault of the healthcare system when a when like, no no I'm just saying bombs. like that that <laughs> that no I'm not that, again it's not a critique of, of yeah, the yeah. hospitals it's just like well that's a that we've seen that before being right, a little overwhelmed yes, yes. Uh, so oh uh, we need to talk about uh, Maureen how Maureen <laughs> Maureen just gets told leave leave your man alone he's got a job to do damn it Maureen it's an alert. Oh, Marie damn it, Marie! Like, it's an alert. Damn it, Marie! I got four. That was of oh my god! I was laughing so hard. I at just, that. I just love how, like, so there's this scene where uh, someone in the military. It's, it's like the stereotypical like, baby, I'll be back in a few days. It's just a drill or it's just a whatever. Like, you, yeah, you've seen it in a million movies, and it's, but it is, it's extremely funny because uh, this guy. Just pouring it on really thick, and then just, just zero to one hundred, like just like, damn it, Marine, it's an alert. I gotta go. Like all of a sudden, just drops the facade. Well, I don't blame him because he's as tired of like uh, wet blanket wives as we are in movies. Like it's so tiresome and awful. Like for up until relatively recently, like every guy who is a cop, a soldier, anything. Like the real, the real stuff starts to go down, and they have to go do their job, and we have to endure like five a five minute scene of their wife giving them a hard time. It's like, lady, yeah. 
you signed up for this. Also, just from like a movie standpoint, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, and it's just it's such an <laughs> awful role for <laughs> the woman. It's such an awful role for the woman. It's so sexist. Yeah. And and also just like I'd love to think of the kind of person where it's like we are under threat of nuclear war and and my husband's been called up and the first thing you think of is how inconvenient it's going to be for you and your family. There's there's two ways in generally like historically in movies and shows like this that you handle uh that you either have the wet blanket a wife that complains or you have the guy with the photo of the woman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just longingly like, looking at oh. and like cr- cracking up his locket every ten minutes. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> dude, grow oh. up, man. Enjoy your time off. <laughs> God, and like uh. Uh, it just I, I and the, the the best movie character at dealing with this was Al Pacino in Heat when he just has that line like, "You knew what you were getting into when you signed up, baby," and then he just walks out. <laughs> also, never forget in Heat when he. <laughs> throws he the TV. throws the TV in the wall. He, 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 yeah. he can do whatever he wants, but he can't watch my TV. Yeah. <laughs> he just leaves it at a bus stop. Uh, some other weird one-off things in this movie is uh, the feral man the, who can't talk. Uh, which which one's the feral man who um, can't talk? There's so, so many characters. So I know. The, this the, movie. The dude who keeps trying to get in line for food, and they keep just like fighting him off and then what, what find... if we did what what if we did uh nashville but a nuclear bomb one i was thinking that this is <laughs> long cuts <laughs> i was gonna uh, say shortcuts but that hadn't come out yet so I had it's to go the dude with nashville. the the dude with the blanket like he just adopts this feral dude who can't speak oh yeah 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 the dude with the blanket yeah yeah yeah. i remember now. uh and then i alluded to this but there's like that family from the hills have eyes who shoot that cowboy guy. Yeah, yeah. I, why did like the wife is just in there washing dishes? Like, why did she alert like the tell, squatters? Tell you what, I mean, <laughs> everything Joe just said. The women in this movie are not helpful. None of <laughs> like Jason Robard's wife is. I guess she kind of gets what's going on, but like the, you know, the 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 the. The farm family, that woman is like, oh, I got to, like, they just keep washing dishes and making the bed. And, like, come on, ladies. It's all I know how to do. Yeah. Let's keep a home. (laughs) Yeah. it's. I mean, listen, I don't know how any of us will do if this were to occur. We may not be our best. Oh, we'd be fine. The young daughter, like, (laughs) runs out because she wants to see her, her boyfriend who's already probably found some ghoul bride in the apocalypse because it's, ob- it's obvious he just wants to have sex that made me laugh when she before <laughs> the, the bomb hits when he shows up in his little motorbike and she sneaks out oh this dirt bag and oh. and like he's not even parked in a hiding spot he's just parked like out in the open and she runs out to sneak out and then he like drives off, but the way he drives off is he essentially like goes all the way around the house, like he goes around each end of the house and then drives off. And I was like, why wouldn't you just parked a little farther away? <laughs> why didn't Man, you have to pull up right in front of the house and then drive around the house before you leave to ball the dude's girl? He <laughs> to baller. <laughs> I mean, that's like, there's a whole plot in this movie. Like, the girl's like, I can't wait to get married to have sex. Yeah, she's just holding the wedding dress. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Okay, so I didn't. I forgot to add this to the agenda, so I hope you guys don't mind me springing this on you. Oh, but yeah. like, what early '80s actor or act, performer are you surprised wasn't in this? Because so what? I'll start just to give you guys some time to maybe think of something. I was just sitting there. It was about an hour and fifteen minutes. So I was like, Jesus Christ! There's forty five <laughs> minutes left, and I was just like, I. I was like, what would piss me off the most? And I was like, I can't believe. I was thinking, I can't believe that Ron Howard hasn't appeared on the screen to oh, give Ron some Howard earnest speech good. or something about how they're never going to be able to watch a homecoming game again or something like that. So Ron Howard was my answer for this, that I, where I can't believe he, he wasn't in it. Yeah, that feels very of the time. Uh, can you guys think of anybody else where you, you uh, can't believe they were? What about there? a what about a young like a like a preteen Kirk Cameron? Oh, uh, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been in his tweens, probably. Yeah, like, yeah. He could have been one of the the kids with uh, rad so, faces. So this is this is kind of cheating. Because well, he he would have been rooting for the apocalypse the whole time. He True, would have been able like, to act in it. He would told like, you, Sweet Jesus, yeah, told you, Jesus <laughs> is coming. He would he have been his, so excited. He would have had his sad subway birthday in the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. Subway I hope birthday. the people haven't forgotten about that wonderful viral photo. Uh, yeah, the saddest yeah. birthday party of all time. Uh, yeah, just Google Kirk Cameron subway birthday if you want to see a photo of. Kirk Cameron blowing out a candle on a sub and there's like one it's in like the break room at an office park or something yeah it's very weird it's um, it, he's taking a break from like human trafficking or whatever he does <laughs> to make money and uh... uh what about you Duff? so this is maybe cheating because like you kind of uh I just thought of it because you were saying Kirk Cameron but I feel like uh none of the kids were famous and i feel like it would have been like yeah like someone from like brady bunch or like you know uh, uh eight is enough or one of those stupid fam like one of those family sitcoms like yeah. i was i was waiting for like a famous kid to show up or like lou ferrigno to show that radiation can even harm the strongest like well but in in like 83 <laughs> who would have been like a famous kid I, I don't, uh, I, I, and I know it's putting you guys on the spot. That's but I'm before to kids. Because, well, Brady Bunch, like, would have been too old, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, what was, like, uh... Webster. Was Webster on? Webster <laughs> oh. on that yeah. could work. Webster was started in 83. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Webster... Uh, Webster should have been on. I understand it doesn't work in the timeline, but I can tell you who would have saved this movie. Who? Uh, Jaleel is, White? This, this movie, yeah, Jaleel White. Urkel. Urkel. Is that who you're going to say? Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> right after the bomb montage? <laughs> Were you going to say Jaleel White? Yes. <laughs> just, they're just the montage of all the nuclear test footage, just trees being blown apart. How is then, that? Why then, isn't then that, that a thing? smash cut to just suspenders wearing Urkel? Doing, Did I do that? Doing <laughs> is that not a thing? Can we just take? Can we just take horrible tragedies and then just cut to <laughs> yeah, him being like, like our Big Bird thing, where Big Bird yeah. should have been on the Challenger? Like yeah, just, uh, just the Hindenburg. Did yeah. I do that? Yeah, I, I think like people have already done that a little bit. Okay, but, but yeah, but yeah, Big Bird and Jaleel White were at every mass death. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, 
<laughs> like the Munich, the Munich Olympics. Jalil White was he opened the he left the gate open. Oh my God. I'm imagining Jaleel White like trying to hop on one of those choppers going out of Saigon. Uh, when when the hijacker the hijackers uh, on 9/11 asked Jaleel White to watch their bags. Uh, <laughs> the deleted scene of Jaleel White and Schindler's List. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> he lost the list. <laughs> <laughs> Do the youth know about Urkel? Yeah, I, I don't care. It's <laughs> uh, a great question. It's a great question. I don't think so. Probably not. Did you see that uh, uh, Carl Winslow is in a new commercial? I did. He I did. Is for what? Yes. Uh, uh, he's a TV dad. It's like one of those insurance company commercials, and like the bit of it is like uh, listening to your dad or listening to TV dad, and mm-hmm. Carl Winslow is the TV dad. My son likes it and kept saying, "I'm not going to listen to you, Dad. I'm going to listen to TV, Dad, instead." And I was is like, it? Hey, okay. Is it a? It's probably a safe. It was airing during the uh, the championship games for the NFL, so I wouldn't be surprised if like another version of it aired on the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would. Sam could do a lot worse than listening to Carl Winslow. Yeah. That's Can true. you imagine how frustrated Carl Winslow would get? At, no disrespect intended, but Carl Winslow would get frustrated with your son's antics. I think. And it'd be very. Oh funny. yeah, it'd be very, very, very funny. I mean that. I mean that affectionately. <laughs> oh man, I mean he had to deal with Article. Yeah. Yeah. For so long, and then you know, Stefan. I was gonna uh, say, like, as time went on, he had like weirder and more improbable issues to deal with. Like, wasn't there time travel and like shrinking and things like that? There's yeah. also is that one of the shows where a daughter just got replaced? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, she got and, she disappeared. Oh, she <laughs> she did she disappeared, and then in real life she did adult movies. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, I mean not mm. quite that order, but like it wasn't <laughs> was, wasn't immediate. It wasn't like she went up the stairs and be like, "All right, I'm going to do a porn now." Did she disappear because of the adult movies? No, she was like no. seven when she disappeared. Oh, like her, her parents okay. or whatever like asked for way more money when her contract is up, and the show's like, "Nah," it's like, and they just you? like they just stopped. They just let her go, and they just pretended that she never existed. You aren't Urkel. Yeah. You can't get that Urkel money. No, no. Yeah. no. I mean, Urkel and Carl Winslow carry that show. Eddie's yeah. pretty important too. And uh, <laughs> what's the daughter's name that Urkel was in Laura. love with? Laura. Laura. <laughs> God, just in the day after Urkel like tra- convinces Laura to marry him so they can have sex before their teeth fall out. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> well, Urkel after could he accidentally fit- presses the red button because he thinks it's like a hot dog delivery button or something hot like that. Urkel could fix it though. That's the thing is he was brilliant, so he could probably fix it after he blew up the world yeah so, he'd invent or, something to like bounce them back towards russia so only the russians died that probably yeah would be or it could be yeah. that uh he clones stefan and then stefan is like helping at the hospital and urkel accidentally hits the nuke button god unreal yeah there, there's an episode of family matters where urkel invents like a high-powered uh like pneumatic hammer and he tears down the berlin wall with it <laughs> Important thing I just learned as we're on this thing. Um, a couple years ago, Jaleel White 
launched his own cannabis brand that featured a strain called Purple Urkel. <laughs> we're we're going to smoke some of that Purple Urkel before the next episode. Purple Urkel. Purple Urkel sounds like something from Reefer Madness. Like it's that like, is, there, there's Urkel. no way that's good weed. I can't. Like, that sounds it's like. It's the, the kind of weed that makes your pants fall down. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like something that an old senator would get him. It's like, these kids are on the purple Urkel. Chuck, Ra- Chuck Grassley's just in the parking lot of Dairy Queen giving a speech about how purple Urkel is uh, ruining this the Generation Z. Oh, these man. kids are on that purple Urkel. <laughs> purple Urkel. They're on that dank purple Urkel. No one wants to work anymore. Episode title, Purple Urkel. Purple Urkel. Okay, where are we at here? What's happening? Um, um, I mean, we've kind of, I think we've hit most things. We're just kind of gone all over the place because there's not. We're much, gone off that purple Urkel. Where's that? There's, <laughs> there's not much to say except nuclear war is bad, and we shouldn't have them. Uh, we yeah. have a, a a note here for political ramifications. Oh, Was there any outside um, of Reagan watched it? Reagan. So <laughs> did you remember it? So supposedly, was, purple oracle might have helped him. He was smoking that purple oracle. Supposedly, uh, so uh, Nicholas Meyer said that in the, in 1986 there was a, a nuclear weapons treaty signed between Reagan and Gorbachev, and Reagan actually sent a note to Nicholas Meyer. Uh, he sent him a telegram, which I guess they still had in the 80s. But anyway. Uh, and he said, "Don't think your movie didn't have any part of this because it did." Isn't like these morons? <laughs> you needed a made-for-TV movie to make you ponder the consequences of, of of these weapons. So, I mean, that's the thing is that like we're kind of talking about it's like, oh, it's so dumb that people had to be told this, but that like literally a year ago when the um, Ukraine war started, we had all these like. New York Times brain buzz be like, uh, nuclear winter wouldn't be as bad as we thought. Like, shut up. Just yeah. sh- just shut your face. Right. Yeah. Um, what would a Reagan strand of cannabis be called? <laughs> um. Contraband? Yeah, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, God. <laughs> um, I... I it's it's probably gonna be like ten minutes from now as we wrap up the episode, but I promise I will come up with something good. Uh, okay. Key, keys in the fridge. <laughs> keys in the fridge. <laughs> uh, 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 keys in the fridge. Oh, dog! I'm all messed up on that clock drawer strain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. So the only other thing i think i have ronald reagan couldn't draw a doomsday clock <laughs> no he can't <laughs> for sure uh if if you ever wanna in case you, there was any doubt about uh you know just how out of touch from reality people in the pentagon and the white house are uh daniel ellsberg wrote a very good and terrifying book about his days uh prior to um, stealing the Pentagon Papers. He was actually a nuclear war planning consultant. Okay. Basically just lines out about how it's ju- it's exactly as farcical as you think it is. Like, 
literally things in Doctor Strange Love are t- like are taken from documents he had seen, and mm. it's just so surreal in how terrifyingly stupid it is. Well, on that note, I will say when I was reading about um, this movie the day after on Letterboxd, you've got uh, some people who are older who saw this when it came out are like, oh, it scared me when I was a kid. And then you have a lot of people from um, from from England that are essentially being like, this is nothing compared to Threads, which is what came out a year later on the BBC, which is like their... Yeah, the I've, day I've, after. I've always heard that Threads is intense. Well, like, they do tend to do to TV better than us. I'll give them yeah. That. And it, um, so, and I don't know if it was as big of a hit necessarily, but apparently it's incredible. Um, oh, so, I, I do have the strain for Reagan, by the way. Oh, what is it? Silver Alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Don't oh. bother that silver alert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get... uh, is there anything else we want to talk about with this movie before we talk about what's coming up next? On uh, our... So one fun thing I had is I did find um, the 100 top Nielsen ratings for shows. Okay. And this is a little out of date, but it doesn't matter because I was just going to say – to give a sense of like where this was in the the biggest TV events, uh, does anyone have a guess for what the number one all time uh, TV Mash? Yes, Mash. Yeah, yeah the last episode yeah. of Mash. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that was uh, so this is just giving a rating of sixty. So I feel like that's like one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty million people. Okay. Um, and it's going down the list is. Uh, the Who Shot JR reveal for Dallas. Oh, Dallas yeah. Okay. Then you have Roots. Mm. Then you have Okay, I didn't know Roots was bigger. Okay. Uh, Roots Part 8. <laughs> so okay. I'm the finale. Now, I'm guessing that was the finale. Uh, Super Bowl 16 in 82. Okay. Uh, Super Bowl. Probably just a bunch of Super Bowls. Yeah, there's a couple Super Bowls, but it's, yeah, it's Super Bowl 8 in 83, 94. Um, do and they then, have ratings for the OJ chase? Uh, well, <laughs> let me. Count? I'll I'll look in a second. But uh, interestingly, numbers eight and nine are when they showed Gone with the Wind on TV in the seventies. Oh wow! Wow. Um, the day after comes in at it's the sixteenth most watched TV show of all time. Uh, I don't I don't see anything about OJ Simpson, but I do okay. remember watching that. Well, that wasn't really like a television. I mean, it, it was on TV. It but wasn't it was everywhere. A, it wasn't, wasn't it? a scripted thing, it, and it yeah. wasn't like exclusive anywhere. I I remember it was on. Yeah, we watched on CNN. Yeah. Um. Well, next up, we continue our uh, our season we're doing right now. I seen on TV. We talked about Duel. And then we talked about the day after, which is not as good as Duel. Um, I think Duel will be the best one we talk about, but we'll see what happens. I, I think that's a solid bet because now things are going to get uh, kind of tawdry. Yes, yeah, well, I enjoy tawdry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's our that, we're fine with that. And then I mean, especially if Urkel's involved. <laughs> some purple Urkel. Watch some tawdry movies. Um, Should we get gone off that silver alert next week before we talk about it? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, no one would tell. It's going to be our next. 
uh, our next movie we're going to talk about, which is Nine, uh, 90s sitcom royalty. I guess Wonder Years wasn't a sitcom, but well, TV, TV royalty for a yeah. certain age. And that is a uh, we were going to do a, a show, a movie about abusive husbands. We're going to either do no, no high, one, high school. Yeah, either do No One Would Tell with Candace Cameron and Fred Savage, or we're going to do The Burning Bed with Farrah Fawcett. We gave it up to the Sheba Pit, and they chose No One Would Tell. So we will be doing that. Uh, I'm excited to see this. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be remarkable. Someone abuses someone. Find out who. <laughs> Find out who. <laughs> Can't wait. Did I do that? Did I? Yes. Pushes her down white. the stairs. Did I do <laughs> that? Beating up his pregnant girlfriend and yelling, "Did I do that?" Oh God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What if, what if people want to vote on uh, something next season? Like, what do they have to do? Ah, great. Oh, what a segue, Joe. Um, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. Uh, we do an episode every month. If you can get it for $2 a month. Um, we did yet last week. Uh, we recorded an episode on the River Wild, which, fun fact, I originally watched about a third of a river runs through it, thinking that was what we were going to talk about Idiot. until I realized I was watching the wrong movie. Uh, so, yeah, in February, uh, we will have another, um, you know, three movies that we all, each each of us nominated a movie. If you're not a patron, you don't know, I my movie never gets picked. Let's We've just all nominate least... an episode of Family Matters. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, I would do the one where someone spikes the punch at the dance and Urkel gets drunk. That would be my episode. <laughs> I don't know how well you guys remember that one, but uh, I mean that rings a bell. I would do the one where they go ice fishing. <laughs> and Winslow go ice fishing. Uh, all right, well, Patreon.com/slash The Midnight Boys, and uh, you know we have a few more of these episodes left for the season, and then uh, whose turn is it? I think uh, Joe's turn to choose our next season. Uh, yeah, I think so. So it should be fun. But uh, like I said, FreePodcast.com if you want to see other episodes we've done. And patreon.com slash the midnight boys to become a patron for just two dollars. 